1: Welcome to the Man Card Podcast and our mission to build an army of men in the arena who are becoming the best version of themselves in changing their world.
0: Males are born, men are made. We're going to separate the men from the boys.
1: A man is as a man does. We want to help you to become the best version of you. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed saying the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. That's awesome. The man card belongs to those protecting integrity, fighting apathy, pursuing God passionately, leading courageously, and finishing strong. A man is as a man does. Enjoy today's episode.
0: Men in the Army, we We salute salute you you guys. We honor you today because you are grinding it out in the bubble, in the stress bubble of life. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Man Card Podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to manhood. Our goal from every episode is to call you into the arena of manhood, to call you into areas you would normally not travel, to call you out of the faceless, nameless, male-dominated bleachers, and to call you up to become the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Hey, I'm Jim Ramos, and I'm here with our producer, co-host, and the backbone of the MCP. My brother from another mother, Dale Culver. How you doing, man? Doing awesome. Man. Hey, let's just jump into this, man. We got okay. a lot going on. Let's we got a great it. guest. That I'm super pumped about. But you got your you got a man word, and I told you I know it. Okay. And it's it's either going to be one word or the other, and you might try to throw me off. So I'm going to say the word I'm going to choose is protector, and if you didn't go that way, I'm going to go with defender.
1: <laughs> I actually i I said the name of the guy that. I'm going to name here in a little bit for the uh, the review, and I oh. actually read the word to you, and I looked up, and went, "Oh, stink!" I said it out loud. Okay, oh, give it to me, baby. Come assertive.
0: On. Oh, ah. what at- Hey, that's a word we're going to use today in this yes. podcast. So, yeah, assertive. Why'd I was you thinking that about word?
1: that as I was driving here uh, for this podcast, and I'm thinking about it. Um, we we need to we need to go after life and not just let it happen. We need to insert ourselves. And don't just wait for situations. And and I think also too with this uh, bullying theme that there's a difference between being an assertive person and being
0: a bully. Oh, huh. oh you think so? Huh? I do. Well, we're gonna find out in about fifteen <laughs> minutes when we interview yeah. our guests. You're- so.
1: I I feel like you're bullying
0: me I'm not right now with spoiler. your posture. Oh, I'm not posturing. You totally uh, just just that I'm standing over you, like leering down your face. Uh, your Thanks. shirt's gonna bust open, by <laughs> the way. It is a little small, <laughs> it, but it's got that stretchy material. So I'm like, it's I think I've lost enough weight to whole use lot. it. That's a lot. But I feel of like stretchy. like I feel like Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah, <laughs> you look like him too. It's the hair. I, I look like a, a yeah. Look, he's got hair and he's handsome. So that's the difference between he and I. I'm in on your back. What'd you say? On your back. Hey, don't comb my hair. <laughs> don't comb my back hair. Hey, uh, so want to throw out the uh, Men in the Arena Facebook forum for men? You know that thing has grown in a thousand by a thousand men in a month. Uh, in less than ten months of starting this this group, we're at ten thousand one hundred men, and the forum is amazing. I actually jumped into the forum on my own and asked a question. I've got an aging dad. I'm taking him on a hunting trip uh, tomorrow and just asking for advice from the guys, and just a thread of 50 guys. Just, it was awesome, and I just really appreciate that. Guys, if you're not on that forum, get on there. It is a partnership forum, so we ask other organizations that work with men to come in, post their stuff, Uh, but mainly the thing that gets us going is questions about manhood, and so we try to stay on task. So if you're posting things if that are like not on to. task, yeah, we don't like accept to. those. So, stuff that's um, going to build some uh, unity would Yeah, be good. so politics, all this stuff that gets people frustrated, we just want to avoid that. Focus on the deep topic theological of theological
1: issues? Yep.
0: Yeah. Not really. Not, no, <laughs> I'm saying you, we can we can do without the hey, deep... Talk to your pastor about that. Yeah, exactly. We this don't care about your healing room in your church. We want to focus on all kinds of men. So, yeah. hey, speaking of that, uh, we've got some great reviews. I had a guy reach out on the Men Arena page and – He's adopted two children, and he said, I wouldn't have done that without listening to your podcast. Yeah. And then, wow. uh, pretty cool. And then you had a cool review. So you want to read that review that you got the other Oh, day? you want me
1: to read the review? I could yeah, read the review. Just, yeah, go for it. Well, this is so Larry you... Boyd. This was pretty cool from Larry Boyd. Hey, Larry, hit us up. We want to send you some good stuff. Swag! And uh, he said he found this podcast about a month ago, started listening as he's traveling to work, and uh, found it to be uplifting and helpful, encouraging. And it was encouraging that... To know that other men are in the middle of the stress bubble life, and yeah. they're surviving. <laughs> they're thriving. The men in the arena are yeah. thriving. And so he purchased Jim's newest book, Join the Men in the Arena Facebook page, and uh, he's encouraging his, his sons to start listening. And uh, he also just wanted Jim to know that he grew up listening to Schoolhouse Rock as well. <laughs> and I'm so... just
0: a bill, <laughs> yeah. and I'm only... You know, somebody <laughs> randomly sent me a text with that song on there, the little bill rolled up at the... What I'm and I'm sitting here at Capitol Hill. Anyway, I thought, why would they send that? And I realized we talked about that in the yeah, podcast. You're like this is random. So yeah, so really like appreciate singing. you mocking me, uh, but yeah. I, I receive it, baby. Okay. We were told not to sing anymore on the podcast. I'm just a guys. A We don't care. They're jealous. <sighs> jealous. They're jealous. That's hey, a song I'm really excited about our guest today. Uh, I read his first book. Uh, it's 10 years now. The anniversary of No More Christian Nice Guy. And I looked up on my – I have it at my bookshelf, and the pages are ripped out. I took it to Pascagoula, Mississippi on a missions trip and read it. It's just destroyed. The pages are falling out. So he's got a new edition of that book coming out for 10-year anniversary. I'm going to pick that up, and that's fun. But we have Paul Coughlin on our show today, and he is the founder and president of The Protectors. Freedom from Bullying, and then Courage and Character for Life, an official ministry partner of Association of Christian Schools International, working to reduce adolescent bullying in schools and in the workplace. He's a former newspaper editor, and his writing has appeared on numerous outlets, including, this is pretty big, Fox News. He's also been interviewed on New York Times and Newsweek and C-SPAN. So I am really excited. He's authored eight books, including the one I mentioned No more Christian nice guy, but Paul says his most important one so far is the book we're going to talk about today, Freedom from Bullying. Anyway, I need some water, Dale, but can you give me some of that water? I'm getting a little... So, hey, uh, his accomplishments, he's helped inspire more than 1,000 students per year to publicly apologize for bullying and related behavior. Not speak to, but to have these students actually get up and apologize. His passion, of course, is fighting bullying. He lives in Sun River, Oregon, with his beautiful wife, Sandy, of 27 years. They have three children, two boys and one girl. From your book, I know one is Garrett and one is Elliot. What's your daughter's name? Uh, her name's Abby. And how old are they? Uh,
2: 26, 24, and 22.
0: Okay, so you're yeah, I've been married 26 years and I have three sons, 24, 22, and 20, so we're right in there in the same <laughs> round. We're on the other side of the bubble, huh? <laughs> yeah,
2: that's right. And we're the same age. Uh, yeah,
0: I noticed yeah. that. Did yeah. you graduate high school in 1984? I did. Oh, yeah. best year ever. People say, "Well, how can you say it's the best year ever?" Well, we had Cindy Crawford was graduated that year. We had Van Halen's album no uh, 1984 and George L. Orwell wrote a book, 1984. So, I wonder, does any other class have that? Uh,
2: that's a good point. <laughs> good point.
0: Where, where'd you go to high school, man?
2: Glanco uh, High School at Hillsboro.
0: Oh, Roll Tide. Oregon.
2: Roll Tide. Yeah, <laughs> yep. captain of the soccer team, all that kind of stuff.
0: Oh, baby. That's cool, man. So you were there and Rutchman was there. Or when, uh, no, no, no. What's his name? He's at Tigard now. What's that coach? Oh, oh we, we, had, we I, had a lot of them. I can't remember, man. Well, hey, it's great to have you on the show. And and Paul, what I'm gonna do, I'm just gonna warm up the juices. I'm gonna throw you right into our rapid fire round. Are you ready for this?
2: Uh yeah, let me let me stretch.
0: Okay, you better do that hammy stretch, man. This is gonna get fifty-two years old. You don't want to blow up a hammy. Yeah, that's right. Especially a Again? soccer guy, you're used to running. But at fifty-two, oh. man, I'll tell you what—I don't know.
2: Yeah, I don't play it anymore. I'll tell you that. Goalie. Too many injuries. Play
0: goalie. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> That's right. Oh, anyway, I, I did. I played with our youth group one time. My wife, about ten years ago, my wife said, "Don't do anything stupid." And I uh, caught a pass for a touchdown, and while doing so, I broke a collarbone and three ribs, <laughs> and and uh, and it, it was not pretty. At home, I had this really tight, you know, Under Armour shirt on. Couldn't get it off. Yeah, it was ugly. So. Um, after that lack of mercy, I, I realized uh, I need to just stop playing sports. So, <laughs> so anyway, Hey, here are, the, here are the words, man. The first one here, uh, just use this word in a sentence. The first thing that pops up in your head, protectors.
2: Uh, yeah, protectors. Uh, love bolstered by courage.
1: Oh, that's good. Say that again.
2: Yeah, you know, interesting. Uh, I was asked m- many times. I used to speak for Promise Keepers and stuff. When no more Christianized guy came out, uh-huh. and I was asked, "What?" I said, "What? What does masculinity mean to you? How do you define it?" You know, the word's only like a hundred years old. It doesn't appear in the Bible. Yeah. And uh, in my opinion, I think when you look at sociology, theology, things like that, what is a man? And I think ultimately, in its most noble form, uh, a man is a protector, and a protector is someone who loves others, and that love, it's bolstered by courage. It's not just kindness, there's toughness there as well.
0: Yep. Well, our friend Ryan Mickler has a podcast called The Order of Man. He says men are protector, presider, and provider, and so that's really good stuff. So how about this next word? This is a word I'd never heard before, and it is disturbing, uh, but I think it's worthy of a a note because it is throughout the book, and the word is side.
2: It's children taking their lives because of a death of the spirit. Their spirit died before their body died. Someone Mm. deliberately (sighs) took out their their spirit and it was
0: on purpose i'll tell you what um i just get angry maybe that's a wrong emotion but i just get nope i can't stand um i don't know if it's right to say i can't stand bullies let me just make that i can't stand bullying i don't understand it I've really <clears throat> I'm sure as a little kid I might have you had a story about bullying a young lady uh in your own, you know I am sure I have those uh moments but generally speaking I've always been a protector and I just although very hard and pushing people and not weak you know not necessarily always nice but but never uh stripping away somebody's dignity.
2: Mm, and just good like for you, you
0: man. When you strip away somebody's dignity you're you're taking away more than their dignity. And so um man okay well let's do this let's the next word is the word bullies
2: bullies those who enjoy the pain and suffering of other people and i just gave you the definition of sadism as well
0: whoa Mm. whoa Mm. no that's really good man and we're going to dive into this a little more uh later but here's another word that i think uh you use this word this is kind of your word if i were to say you know paul coughlin has a word this is probably it and the word is niceness
2: (laughs) that's your word i've well, first of all, thank you. Uh, you know, I'm, in, I, I, I'm incurably nice. And, and you know, uh, people really – I remember when No More Christian Nice Guy first came out, it, it's hard to describe how controversial it was. Now it's kind of like commonplace. But, man, you just did not take on niceness. You just didn't do it. And people didn't understand why would why would you ever think nice was a bad thing. Well, it's not. It's it's bad for a number of reasons. It's not kindness. You know, the word nice is never used to describe the Father, Son, or the Holy Spirit oh, in the Bible. Oh, I know. Bible. Absolutely. It's it's never used. And But yet, uh, what's the greatest thing that you could tell someone? Oh, they're the nicest person you ever met.
0: If you don't you have sh- something nice to say, don't <laughs> say it.
2: Well, then, then take out many of the red-letter words in the New Testament by Jesus. Yeah. Because yeah, Jesus did not live by that uh, at all, and neither should we.
0: Well, I love the I love how we translate the Bible. It, it says he cleansed the temple. I'm like, no, he ripped the temple a new one. Why, who's <laughs> writing cleanse the te- There was no cleaning involved there. He was jacking things up and taking names. But what we it do is pr- we... <laughs>
2: Go ahead. It, it was a premeditated act. He actually yes. made the whip ahead of time. He made it ahead of time.
0: Yes, yeah. yes. Anyway, yeah. so I just love, uh, and, and I think part of what we do with the Man Card Podcast is we attack niceness on a regular basis. Uh, what we do is we attack male males, and we call them out to be men. And a lot of that means you need to no longer be anonymous. I think anonymity is a, is a niceness doctrine. Uh, it's, it's evil. And, and God does not call us to be anonymous. He calls us to be known so that we can make him known, salt and light. And so I just I resonate with you. I'm going to actually read uh, your uh, No More Christian Nice Guy again. I want to have you come on the podcast for a 10-year anniversary and really push that as well. I think it's, it needs to be revisited.
2: Well, thank, thank you. I mean, it has ten years of wisdom behind it too. Mm-hmm. It's it is it's a more mature work. Uh, you know, I'm very fortunate because you know a lot of writers would like to revisit a work, but you rarely get the opportunity to do that and have yeah. it published. And yeah. I was given that opportunity.
0: Man, I'm ex- so I'm going to read the new one then. I'm excited about that. So, hey, here's another word for you, man. Uh, this is a word uh, that I'd never heard before uh, in this context, and the word is fogging.
2: Yeah, so fogging. It's really important for targets. Uh, I don't believe that a target of bullying uh, owes their bully candor, and they don't owe them truth because that that bully will uh, they fish for information. They and they yes, want information yes. that that always harms. They're constantly fishing for. This is why bullies are gossip mongers, is they're constantly fishing for information that makes them look superior to other people, and targets, particularly nice Christian kids, for example, and even adults feel they owe this nefarious person in their life, the truth and candor. And so we recommend fogging and fogging is speaking without really saying anything to the other person. So we believe that target should say things like, uh, you have an interesting life, uh, whatever, um, is this your idea? Is this what you do to everyone? You don't really answer their question directly. By the way, we have great precedence uh, in Jesus. In the New Testament, he only answers like five questions directly. Yeah. Jesus often does not answer a question posed to him when the question does not come from a good place. Correct. When the question comes from a good place, you see him You see him kind of melt. It's amazing. Uh, but when people are trying to entrap him, he he doesn't suffer fools very well. In fact, he doesn't suffer them at all. Yeah. And and uh, he answer, he asked a question of his own. So that's a, it's a form of fogging,
0: and we highly recommend it. Well, you know what's funny is uh, you know hey do, should you we pay taxes? Uh, give me a coin. Who's who's <laughs> face on the inscription? The thing about Jesus that I think you'll resonate with is with those who were humble and broken, yes. he gave grace. Yep. With those who were proud and bullying, he handed them the law. He did. Well, that's, that's how all he dealt was- with guys
2: way I call it opening a can of Jesus. He, he, he really, <laughs> I
0: mean, he did, he That's did. So and, and we, and we should do the same thing. No, I agree hundred percent, which goes to the next, uh, word. And the word is targets.
2: Yeah. Targets, boy. Yeah. We use targets instead of victims in and yeah. the work that we do because they really are targeted. You know, uh, October is anti-bullying month in America. There's a reason for that is because we have found that bullying hits the radar of schools in October. That's because uh, bullies shop for targets. Targets are, um, they're called from the group. They're not found. They're chosen. And they choose a certain kind of person. So they target individuals on purpose. It's intentional and it's repeated. And when it's not uh, confronted, it often always gets worse. So we're about helping those targets. We, we harden targets at the protectors. We make it more difficult for bullies to get to their interior life.
0: And I love what you're, I love what you're doing, man. And 80% of bullying is non-physical it is verbal according to your book right
2: yeah particularly as kids get older yeah they use what's called relational aggression uh they intentionally use words to harm that person to isolate them to cause psychological difficulty it's almost always through false accusations name calling and uh, and to marginalize them among their peers, which if you want to kill someone, marginalize them, uh, isolate them.
0: And it's on purpose. Well, marginalize and objectify, you know, they, they, they become a non-human. And, and it was interesting. We won't talk about this type of target, but a lot of the targets that you talked about in your book, and I just go back to my young days, uh, you know, and the kids that got picked on—they were uh, kids who couldn't help themselves. They were uh, students with Down syndrome, or they were on what we would call nowadays the autism scale. Uh, yeah. You know, they were kids that had—I so had a girl in my youth group, and in fact, I wrote a book for youth ministry, and the, the title of the book—I won't use her name—but it's there's always an Angie, and it's about this girl in our book, in our in our youth group that was picked on at school. But the youth group, she would come, and it was hard to have her because she was so high maintenance. But I realized yeah. that Angie was in my youth group for me not for her cuz she couldn't change she didn't have what? the ability to have massive change because she had disab- you know learning and mental <coughs> issues
2: Uh, She sure did. You know, the number one group of kids who are bullied in almost any youth gathering, by the way, including Sunday school, including youth group, are going to be physically, mentally challenged uh, children. Yeah. Most of whom have no relationship to the bully. So it's not a matter of miscommunication or misunderstanding. Yeah. That person who bullies them knows that they're just an easy score. And that they can score points off of going after that person, and and to harm that person, and and you know better than I do, given the work that you have done, that what do those kids need? They need a protector. They need someone to intervene on their behalf.
0: Absolutely. I mean, that's a game changer. And so, you know, we're gonna so those types of children, students will be difficult to address in this podcast. But I really want to address uh, those students that, that can, uh, harden themselves and can offer, as you said in your book, a more quote, muscular approach. And so I do want to dive into that. But before I do, man, can you take a few minutes, Paul? I mean, we've never talked before what well, we talked once before, but before today, this is our second time. Can you tell us your story, your personal life, hobbies, things you enjoy, anything else so our leaders can get a feel for who you are as a man?
2: Oh, let's see. Okay. So, uh, three, uh, three kids been married to the same woman for 27 years, uh, one person kind of unusual. Congratulations. In ministry. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, wrote a book a number of years ago, No more Christian, nice guy, uh, spoke with promise keepers and stuff like that. It kind of put, uh, me, I just kind of fell out of the sky. I'm just the average guy who went to church and <laughs> I, I finally had enough It's just like, come on, I can't take this message anymore, yeah. uh, of, uh, to men. And I thought, I thought, this is, this is just killing men. What, what I was hearing in many cases, kind of death by a thousand sermons type of thing. And so, yeah. um, <laughs> so I, I, uh, I thought, you know, I'm going to try to change it. And and I wrote a book and it, it, you know, the thing about the book, uh, is that it, it resonated with a lot of different people It resonated with, uh, people who I would say to be pretty liberal and people pretty conservative Wow, across racial lines, um, it it there's many like for example Catholics I got a letter from a young man in Czechoslovakia <laughs> a Catholic wow. guy who, who um it gave him the courage to ask the woman of his dreams to marry him thank goodness she said yes and uh, <laughs> so there's just there were a lot a lot of success stories there and so um really really pleased to have been part of that important work and so uh you know fast so I do a lot of speaking across the country and I got a platform and. And then I would, one thing I noticed, you guys, is I would talk about justice and men being protectors. And because, and man, you ask a little boy, for example, what they want to be. Mm hmm and they often, when they're young anyway before we beat masculinity out of them. Yeah. Um uh, they say, you know, I want to be a firefighter, I want to be a police officer. Yeah. They 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 have this hero- and women have the heroic impulse as well. I'm not I'm not saying they don't, but boys tend to have it more. And yes. I think they're wired that way. They're Absolutely. wired that way. So, and I think as long as we honor that and that that uh, the Greeks called it thumos uh it's an inner fighting spirit and when we honor that and it has to be seasoned it has to be wise it needs men to move them to where because that that same spirit can go feral and so what yes. we need to do is we need to make sure that it that it that it's a blessing not a curse because it has been it's both a blessing and a curse uh the masculine spirit can be both and so we want it to be uh, obviously uh, loving and helpful so anyway I went into all that kind of all that. And and then I just remember speaking to men about being protectors and you could see their chest get bigger in a good way. Not yes. An arrogant yes. way. And and then I thought, I thought, well, where is justice missing? And long story short, settled upon bullying over 10 years ago. And uh, back then it was not the buzzword that it is today. So we were pretty ahead of our time uh, back then. And so now what does my life entail is um I had just helping organizations, uh, that work with youth to diminish bullying. And I also do workplace bullying to one of my clients has been, uh, the Baltimore Ravens, So I work with the rookies and the free agents, uh, mm-hmm. within that organization. So, uh, that's my life. Uh, I, I've Used to be a very good soccer player at one time. I was, used to be a boys' varsity soccer coach. Uh, went to the state championship three times. Wow. Uh, lost, them, lost them all. <laughs> were, you at Summit?
0: So, were you at Summit High School? Where were you
2: at? Oh, no. Uh, St. Mary's in Medford, Oregon. Oh, yeah. that's oh, yeah. right. I knew
0: you lived in Medford. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Catlin Gable, Oregon Episcopal that take us out in the finals. And um, anyway, but it, it is a thing to get there. We were, we, it, it was a, it was real pleasure to be a, a coach of young men. I sure enjoyed the fraternal. In fact, that's the thing I probably miss the most now. I'm I'm done coaching, but uh, it's that fraternal nature of working with those young men and laughing with them. You know, C.S. Lewis said that uh, there's nothing like the sound of male laughter. And when you're, you know, when you're sitting with your players, usually after practice and stretching and all that, and you're just laughing, I, I tell you, I miss that. Uh, I, that's like a nutrient uh, in, in, in my life. And so that's my life. And then I went into bicycle racing after that. And, um, Ooh, road yeah. or mountain? Uh, road, yeah, okay. love, yeah. yep, yep. Wanted to slide across concrete and lose skin.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's way better than landing on a tree and breaking your arm. That's oh a, that's my <laughs> goodness. So, but I was yeah. just thinking, you got Phil's Trail right there in Van, Oregon. That's a great trail, and the Peterson yeah. on Sun River or uh, Sisters. But,
2: yeah, I've got Tyler's right out my backyard. Uh, you know, Tyler's I think I've and,
0: ridden that one. Does that one go by the falls? Which, is uh, that one I don't think top? so.
2: No, that's Benham Falls. I think oh. uh, I do uh, Tyler's and then there's uh, Tiddlywinks and uh, Duodenum. And then, then you can actually you can ride all the way to Sisters from my house. I haven't done it yet. That's a trek, but uh, wow. it's a beautiful system. Yeah. Really, really a great system behind my house.
0: Yeah, you've got it. You're living in paradise. So you said thumos, a Greek word. And in your book, you talked <clears> about that word. You know, this is this thing within a man's chest. But you also said that's where we get the word thermos which gives me a yep. great word picture for what happens is is this is this this heating up this welling up this passion that a man has and and uh, you know that we see that word toxic masculinity thrown around all the time and justifiably yeah. so but if That's we can right. get men to embrace their th- Thumos and their masculinity uh, in a biblical way, in a in an honorable way, in a justice way, we can see a world changed and uh, we can see lives transformed. And so I, I love that part in your book. So I do want to talk about your book today, Paul. Uh, there, I have a ton of questions for you. Uh, nothing to clarify because the book was very straightforward, well-written, but just things I think our men in the arena need to hear. And so your book is called Free Us From Bullying. Uh, we'll probably make this a two-part podcast because there's so much uh, meat and potatoes in here. And so uh, the subtitle is Real Solutions Beyond Being. Nice, of course. And then, so here's my question, man. so so you 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 start this organization. What led you to write this book? like what and you talked about this a little bit, but did you have a popeye moment where you said, you know what? I can't stand this anymore. I'm done. i did um
2: and and it happened more than once right so it's like a series of things where uh you just began you know like i said about 10 years ago these stories of kids taking their lives right uh in regard to bullying we have a word now for that It's bully side now Hmm. now it's it's rarely just it's rarely just bullying there are other incidents in that kid's life uh, there's usually a, a traumatic loss, more than one or two within two to three years. There's other things, family difficulties, but not always. Right. Yeah. So we have to be careful with that term. But, you know, it just broke my heart to hear the stories of these kids just being pounded on a regular basis and and then what was you know what was our answer to it back then our answer to it was just ignore it imagine if you would it's the only form of intentional abuse we tell the most vulnerable among us just to ignore imagine if we said to a woman who was sexually assaulted um hey just ignore it pretend it didn't happen rise above it pretend you're bigger than the person yeah um that would be cold-hearted and rightly so but that's what we're saying to targets millions of them a year and you guys i think one reason why we do that is we don't know what else to say um we really don't think there's a way out but there is there is a way out uh, through this um complicated theater of bullying and i'm glad to say that we've been helping uh well tens of thousands now uh, find uh, their way through this difficult time in their life.
0: Well, I I really appreciate and admire what you're doing, Paul. You know, I, I'm pretty fortunate. My three sons never were uh, victims of bullying. Never bullied other. I shouldn't say never because I don't know their secret life. But were never. They were always known as good kids. And and I had told you before the podcast, I was your prototypical potential for bullying. I was a an athlete, an all-state football player, all-state baseball player, and I was that guy that could have been the bully. But when I was younger, my brother was younger than myself. In fact, his birthday was yesterday. My sister was younger than him. Both were younger, smaller, uh, physically weaker, and had uh, learning stuff going on. And I remember as a young kid, my dad said, you don't ever fight, but if anybody ever hurt your brother and sister, you go after them. And in my first kid, I blooded his nose, was four years old. He, he, uh, he hit my brother, and that was not going to happen. And so I became this protector on our school. And so we didn't have bullying at our school because it was not tolerated. And so I really... Have become this guy, even as an adult, Dale, right? Would you affirm me here? Anyway, just can't stand the bullying because I think that God has not called us to lord it over the weaker or the powerless, but God has called us to protect those who are weak. And so I love what you're doing. So, um, On page 30 of your book, Paul, you said uh, defining bullying. I'm just going to go back and define what you've already defined. It's the deployment of repeated superior power against another child, deliberately intending to harm that child for no justifiable reason. Uh, Man. And then you went on to write. Most of the time, I'm getting fired up just reading this. Most of the time, it is verbal and designed to harm a child socially through humiliation, isolation, and the threat of further abuse. And you said on you said later uh, earlier in page 13, bullying is pleasurable. It's delicious. It's a mountaintop experience as you stalk, trap, and corner your prey. Wow. I mean, we call these kids, we aren't calling them victims, we're calling them targets, but in the mind of a bully, they are more like prey. Would you agree with that? Oh they
2: they are prey because again they're called from the the group. A bully is not looking for a fight. A bully wants to overwhelm. So what they do is they look for a kind of kid that they are pretty sure will not push back. Yeah. And you guys here is the really sad part. You know what that kid's going to be? It's going to be that nice Christian kid whose parents told them, you know, to always turn the other cheek. Yeah. Let me just say let me we could spend an hour on this one. Let me just say that that portion of scripture has nothing to do with a fourth grader being bullied on a playground. <laughs> you put that in context. What Jesus is saying, it's in Matthew, mostly
0: Matthew chapter five, say, verses thirty-eight and forty-two through forty-two. And
2: what and and he he finished. That's one of three examples that he gives, and they all have legal consequences. What Jesus is saying to his disciples, he's not talking to a fourth grader. Okay, he's that's talking, key. You're that's gonna be, key. If you're going to be my disciple, um, he wants you to have a generous spirit. That's what he says at the very end of that scripture. Don't make the law the... um the everything. It's like, well, I, the law is what I'm going to always appeal to. He says, no, if you're going to be my disciple, I want you to go beyond the law, and I want you to have a generous spirit. And let me give an example. We've all been camping, right? Yep. And we've all been in a campground, and there's that one guy in the campground who's going to run his generator till 10 p.m. because he can Right, I hate when so he make... does
0: that. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> because it's his right; he has that right. Yeah, and he yeah. and he will do it till ten p.m. and make everyone else miserable. Yep. Jesus is saying, "Don't be that guy. Don't make the law that your your final um, uh, measuring stick as to right and wrong." Uh, and so, yeah, so our children. We're not given to us to be the plaything of other people, uh, and this whole concept that somehow when you become a Christian you become an honorary pacifist—I don't know where that comes from—but uh, there are many, many Christians Satan? who. Oh, oh my goodness! Well, anyway, I don't adhere to that. I don't adhere to that. I at don't all either. Anyway, and, yeah.
0: Well, you know, so I have a question for you, and this is a scriptural question. So I've always taken that verse. I am not a pacifist. Uh, I am not a guy who. Um, I usually, generally speaking, don't get into fights or people don't want to mess because I'm a big, strong guy. So I've never really had to deal with that component. But I've always looked at this because I've tried to justify this passage in my brain without making me an impotent, weak man. And I've always mm-hmm. taken this as, okay, if I'm going to be persecuted for my faith, yeah, I'm going to take it. Jesus took it. I'm going to take it. If I see the weak and powerless uh, uh, harmed, I'm going after somebody. If I am personally attacked, I will defend myself with force. Am, am I off in that thinking? Uh, talk to me.
2: No, I, I, not, not at all. Um, I do adhere to that as well. If someone's going after you because of your faith, Particularly in First and Second Peter, we have reason to believe yeah. that you know we're, we are supposed to accept that. Uh, I'll tell you that a hardly any children on a playground today are being persecuted for their faith. Rather, <laughs> they're being persecuted for the shapes of their ears, yes. for the way they walk, for the color of their skin, for maybe they have a lisp. The list goes on and on, right? Yeah, it has it has yeah. nothing to do with their faith in any way, shape, or form. Also, too, our word for violence comes from the concept to violate. And Ooh. I don't believe, yeah, so I don't believe that in defending one's God-given dignity, value, and worth, and defending another person's value, dignity, and worth, is violating the other person in as much as it's not an inordinate response to to a kind of policing force. So I don't think it's necessary. We're not violating another person when we defend our value and we defend the value of another person.
0: That That is so good. And that that right there, reading your book, that got me fired up because the book became to me this... This book about protecting instead of being passive and pacifying, and you know, uh, and I realize that uh, this book is a little controversial with people in this uh, with this niceness doctrine of their faith. In fact, you wrote, "Let's let's unlock that uh, Pandora's box here." Uh, You said, "Though God hates bullying, most Christians do not," and then you went on to say, "We must transform passive." Witnesses into courageous protectors, and then so to me, what's the difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker, uh, a courageous protector and a passive bystander? I just I love this. I think it's true in the church. I have reasons why I think uh, it's taught, uh, which we won't get into today. Uh, But but what what is there to you between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker, uh, a passive bystander and a courageous protector?
2: Boy, I tell you what. Yeah, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, yep. for they should be called children of God. And that term actually comes from a—it's the only time that term is used in the entire New Testament. It actually comes from uh, the life of Roman soldiers. It is those who actively bring conflict to an end. So it's not people who just avoid conflict. It's people who act actively bring it to an end, which includes a kind of policing force. Yes. So Jesus is saying, basically, blessed are the— The police officers who keep the peace, and sometimes you keep the the peace through aggression, uh, as long as that aggression is not inordinate, uh, because it defends the weak and the vulnerable and the broken in spirit and the shackled and the others who uh, we are told uh, that God has a special place in his heart for. So, so um, well, and then I would just say roughly two or generally in regard to this niceness, you know why many of us are nice in church is that uh, we're cowards. It is often yep. cowardice in disguise, uh, but yes. it's so it's so shiny and it pays. It really does pay to be the nicest person uh, another person has ever met. Nice people, you know, they give us great recipes, they give us the weather in the morning. Um, they will never stand up to injustice, I'll tell oh. you that. They just don't have it in them. And so if someone says, the nicest person you ever met, I'd say, yeah, they're probably pretty
0: unreliable. And weak, uh, when, and soft and passive and imminent. But they're rewarded
2: for that, that behavior, and we don't see any of that, really. We
0: don't see that in...
2: Jesus, we don't see it really in his disciples. You don't see it in the Book of Acts. Um, you see goodness, not niceness. The the two are very, very different.
0: Okay, I'm going to get back to that in a second, but I'm going to quote you uh, on page 78 of your book, and you wrote this: "You wrote, niceness is sometimes cowardice, masquerading as spiritual maturity. It's a defensive and fear encrusted orientation towards life." so not events but life and that, and that's what you're just now saying you're saying hey this niceness goes way beyond being nice uh, this uh, a peacemaker what i have found paul maybe i'm wrong here but a peacemaker often will he will often bring, uh, start conflict to bring a yep. conflict to an end so he's not afraid of conflict but he's about ending conflict where a peacekeeper and i see this in the church all the time in fact there's a church here in town in recent days they're sweepy they sweep issues under the table so we don't want to have, have bring out issues we're going to be peacekeepers in our church and sweep the issues under the table and hide them where peacemaking would say no there's an issue let's get the elephant out of the living room and let's deal with this and so
2: and do you know what happens with those those peacekeepers the weak always suffer the yes. weak always oh, suffer when leadership good. is negligent, or, or in this case, what you're talking about, really derelict in their duties and responsibilities. The weak will always be harmed in situations like that, and and our heart should be with the weak. Uh, yes. They've got it. They've got it harder than other people. You know, uh, the Book of Proverbs and Psalms tell us. Um, uh, to do the right thing when it's within our power to act. There's some things we can't do. We don't recommend people standing between the floods and the crypts, right, yeah. and say, stop it. I mean, there's a lot of weapons involved, right? Um, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. most of us have the power to act on these things. We just don't have the courage to act in these situations.
0: That's so good. Well, you talked about goodness and niceness. And if I remember correctly, in your book, No More Christian Nice Guy, I'm going back 10 years now, you talked about a description of Aslan the lion, do you remember that in your book? I was do. that your book? It tell is, me tell yeah, me yeah, it was yeah. your book.
2: <laughs> it was it was. Tell yeah, me about they, they, tell
0: me about goodness versus niceness and then the description of Aslan in the in the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, he and and you know, Lewis did this on purpose too. I mean, he uses Jesus. I mean, who represents Jesus? A lion. What yes. is a lion? The universal historic symbol of courage. Yes. And uh so he does that t- and uh, honestly, do we really see Jesus that way? I I think we would, if, if I honestly, I think the evangelical church, if we were to redo that book, we'd make Jesus a Cocker Spaniel, you know, like a Cocker Spaniel has never met anyone. He didn't a like.
0: Labradoodle,
2: <laughs> a Labradoodle. He would just roll over and play nice all the time. But, yeah. you know, C.S. Lewis knew better. He yeah. knew better. And he also served in a war too, so he understood side of evil that yeah. most of us have not. Well, yeah. So I think it's Lucy. The I can't remember the exact character, but ask as Aslan is walking away, is 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 he nice? And and uh, uh, the characters told, no, he's not nice. He's good. Yeah. And there's just a huge difference between nice and good. And you know when this becomes important to people, is when the chips are down. So right now there's people listening. They don't really care. Like yeah, you know, it sounds theoretical to me. It doesn't matter. It's not putting money in my 401k and all that sort of stuff. But it's going to matter when the chips are down. It's yeah. going to matter when your wife cheats on you. It's going to matter when your kids are hurt. You're going to want someone to stand by you with guts and a backbone. And I'll tell you, that won't be the nice people in your life. It just won't be.
0: Well, no, what I have found is these. Well, you know what? Before we before we get into this, I'm fired up. Let's hear from our sponsor. We have a short break. Hear from our sponsor. The Man Card Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that's building an army of men who are becoming the best version of themselves and changing their world. The war to change your world is epic. Every battle counts and every man in the arena matters. So get in the game by joining our closed Facebook forum for men called The Men in the Arena. There, you'll lock arms with men from all around the world who are stepping up as their best version. What is a man? What does he do? How does he live? When does he know when he's crossed over from male to man? The lines defining manhood have become blurred, and guys today are more confused than ever. That's why I wrote The Man Card, Five Characteristics Separating Men from Boys. Guys, you're going to love this book. Go to the Great Unforgot app or mancardpodcast.com and pick up a copy of today no book written defines manhood in such a way as this i'll put the man card next to any book ever written on the topic yes i believe it's that good in the man card i expose several myths of manhood and draw a line in the sand between men and males this book will change your life guys thank you so much for jumping into the arena with us today and championing the greatest battle of our time become your best version join the fight to change your world because when you get it everyone wins So when I hear this niceness creed, this niceness doctrine, you know, this is these are the guys we call them uh, men in the bleachers. Or they're not men; they're males in the bleachers. They're anonymous. They're not engaged. They're not willing to step out of the bleachers and get in the arena. They they get in a stress bubble and they just feel like if I can just disappear. Nobody will notice me, and I'm going to get through this thing okay. The whole world is dying. Their world, their marriage, their kids, their church, their community is dying around them. And we want to call these men into the arena. We want to we want to inspire them to get in to the game. But, but you know what I've learned, Paul? And maybe help me out here. I think for a man to be get into the arena, for a man to be a protector, for a man to raise children who are protectors, we need to... Ha- They need to have foresight. They need to have Mm. a plan, a strategy, because I know in my life, if I'm walking down the street and I get shocked by a a situation where somebody's being targeted, if I'm not ready for that ahead of time, I might freeze.
2: Yep. Oh, so uh, you are yeah. so right hey listen i was that guy i wrote this book because niceness was killing me oh. i was the bleacher guy i was the bleacher guy and this is what got me out of it and i'd love to speak to what you just said here just Do a second it. but the thing that woke me up is uh well you know i read john eldridge's wild at heart and that was an amazing book that kind of woke me up and then i read it i read a book by elton trueblood great quaker thinker uh-huh. called the humor the humor of christ oh and it Oh, and in this book, I, uh, he basically says, unless you admit that Jesus was being sarcastic at times, the, uh, his statements don't make sense. So I was kind of woken up by that. And then I came to a kind of an epiphany. And the nice, nice Christianity is about as boring as you can get. And yep. I, thought, I thought to myself, this can't be what it's all about. This can't be just a nice morality tale. Right where I just avoid this and do this and smile this and attend for two hours and then drink weak coffee afterward at church and <laughs> away you go type of thing. Right, it, it it has to be more than this. And if it isn't, I don't want to be part of it. Yeah, I I just I don't want any part of it. So I was just bored to tears in church, given the nice script. And then I started seeing the real script. I started seeing the this more dynamic Jesus. It's like this dude. You know, there was a time I thought. When I was under the niceness, film, I mm-hmm. thought, oh, my goodness, we only got three years of Jesus's uh, public ministry. I know we have when he's 12 and all that, but yeah, by and large, understand. we only have three three years of his life, right? And that's when I thought he was a nice guy. Now when I realized what kind of guy he was, it was a very different answer. I yeah. said to myself, how did he survive three years? This guy is a walking ball, and he's a, fight, he's a dervish. I mean, this guy, just like particularly in Mark— Well, his own family tried to seize him because they believe he's lost his mind. That's what they said. Right. So this guy is a force of nature. And I'm like, I can follow that guy. He is inspiring. He's interesting. So anyway, that's what got me off the bleachers and onto the the battlefield of life. In regard to doing the right thing, you're absolutely right. What we do with um, bystanders to help that bystander become a protector It is proven that if people have a script to follow ahead of time, before they're in a tough situation, they're far more likely to do the right thing. Mm. So you're right. You're talking about foresight. When we can arm people with that wisdom uh, ahead of time, when they know what to say, they know what to do, they have practiced it. In our curriculum, people play the role of a bystander, a bully, and a target. And so they practice that role over and over, very much like the military, uh, I was not in the military. My dad was. My parents were Irish immigrants, and my dad was in the Irish Army. He used to make fun of the French, and I would say, "Well, Dad, at least the French fought in World War II, right?" So, <laughs> yeah, don't 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 give him too much grief. <sighs> but you know, have you ever noticed, like for example, I oh I talked to a Vietnam vet who was ambushed. It uh, oh, horrifying ambush, and I said, "Well, what did you do?" And he said, "Well, you pushed through the ambush." And it's like, push through an ambush? Are you kidding me? If it, I, I would hide behind a tree, a rock, a child, right? Yeah, because, I read that in your book. Yeah, because I don't know what to do. Yeah. I've never, I have no training as a soldier, right? I'm not yeah. a soldier, but I could be. And so when people return fire automatically, why do they do that? Because they were trained to return fire automatically, and it becomes second nature.
0: Oh, man, that's good. I just think, I, I just I just know that um, when my little sister was in high school, right, right? And she would date a boy. I would approach that boy and say to him, <laughs> Listen, you know, my sister's gonna do what she's gonna do. But if I hear of it because you've been bragging, you and I have a problem that we're gonna deal with. And so it was a it was a strategy I had to protect my sister from these locker room discussions, right? And Love so it. and so and I, I go back to Jesus and I go, Man, you know, his last week, if you go just study the last week of his life. He went after the Pharisees. I mean, he went at these guys. He, he they were so fired up at him. He just pretty much focused on their legalism and just went after him. And so he uh, definitely, I think that the Jesus that we put in churches today is blonde-haired, blue eyes, six-two, about one hundred and twenty pounds, and he carries sheep around all day. But yeah. Re- realistically, Jesus was probably a dark man, five foot seven, thick arms. You know, he probably wasn't the best looking dude. He was just a normal looking guy that went in there with a dynamic personality and a, a willingness to protect and defend and teach the truth. And so, you know, I can get on board with that, Jesus uh, I can't get on board with um I call him effeminate Jesus, which is the Jesus that we teach in churches and and uh, but I think we're getting better. I hope we're getting better. We just need to get the foyer to have uh, no pink in the foyer, uh, get the flowers off the podium, put Douglas furs in there, you know, <laughs> cool that room down to about eighty, you know, about 75, seventy five seven. Ah, cool it. Let's call sixty eight degrees. So the women wear coats and the men are feeling comfortable. And let's stop singing songs that say sloppy wet kiss. You know, I think that I think that in two thousand from from 2000 to 2010, in my opinion, there were three books to me that changed the game. And I'm going to be really honest with you what those books are. John Eldridge's Wild at Heart, he wrote that in 2001. David Murrow's Why Men Hate Going to Church. And Paul Coughlin's No More Christian Nice Guy. In my opinion, Paul... Those three wow. books were the most monumental books for men. I mean, I quote those books all the time because they were catalytic in changing the mindset of men, and so uh, I really thank you for that book. So, hey, let's go back. Let's talk today about parents and how parents today are parenting their children. You know, today we've heard terms like helicopter mom, bulldozer dad, and and this whole uh, quote, if if, and this is a quote from your book. If you can't say something nice, don't say it at all mentality that is prevalent in Christian homes today... You know, and you said this in your book bullies eat through niceness doctrine like termites through wood. Instead, they should respond to power greater than they own. So, how do we as parents move away from this quote, center of the universe participation trophy parenting that makes kids think they're better than they are? In fact, on page 144 of your book, you said American kids are number one at thinking they're number one. so how do we as parents move away from this uh because i think this is a bully pattern i think this and maybe i'm wrong yeah. here, but i think that this this putting our kids the center of the universe telling them they're number one uh you know i my son a while back said i'm elite i graduated college what? i go that makes you elite <laughs> I, mean, I don't know dude <laughs> tell me that makes you in debt <laughs> so yeah. How, how, yeah. How, how do we help our parents to, to uh, raise children with a mindset towards others instead of a mindset towards self?
2: Yeah, well, that is a big, big question, and that really goes to the core of changing bullying because we're going to change bullying, we have to change culture. To change culture, Absolutely. we have to change parenting. Yes. Uh, parenting has taken in the shorts the uh, last 30 <laughs> or so years. It yeah. really has uh, it's very difficult uh, what has happened. I've seen it as a coach. I saw it more and more. I I've, I was a coach for over twenty something years, uh, almost ten of those as a varsity coach. And I, I I was very fortunate at the school that I was at. Um, uh, pretty good level of parenting, but I'd run into a wh- I did the math. I'd run into a horrible parent every three point three years. I did the math, <laughs> and uh, and it was all, almost always a mom. I'll yeah, tell you, because yeah. uh, oh, uh, the dads uh, are nice. Oh, yeah, and that they're so nice that they're – some of these moms are just insane. I remember I saying to one mom, <laughs> I, "I remember saying to one mom, I said, you know, if what you say about me is true, I'm not just wrong. I'm evil. Do you realize you're calling me evil and what I'm doing? I, said, I have nothing against your son. He's just not that good, you know. And he's probably, you know, but I didn't say he's good. He's, I, I just know he's never going to be good, and that's okay. Yeah, uh, I'm okay with that if you're okay with it. But he doesn't deserve to play more than the current playing time. Well, and here's the other anyway, thing.
0: Here's the other thing is I coached football for 20 years, middle school through high high school varsive for i think 10 almost 10 years but it's interesting because people describe me as ramos is hard and fair you know i you uh, know hard on the kids hard demand the best but fair and kind you know and knowing uh, and but see we live our parents nowadays don't get that
2: uh you and i were separated at birth because when <laughs> when um Cause, and I didn't really see myself that way. I got to tell you, I didn't see myself that way. And like a lot of coaches, you're, it, it, I, I, I just don't know how – I didn't know how to not be an intense coach. I was an intense coach. Yeah. I wanted to give my kids the best opportunity at success. And so when I, I would hear afterward how I was considered a hard nosed coach, I tell you, I never thought I was old school, I just, old school, but I was fair. I, I would yeah. give kids an opportunity and applaud their advance. You probably had the same payoff Absolutely. for me i love to win. Don't get me wrong. i love to win. Oh, but for me, the, the payoff is when you see that kid, you know they can do it. You know they can do it, but they don't know they can do it. So you give yep. them the tools to succeed. And when they make that evolution in their game, I, I just want to lay down and, and just, oh, I just love it to see a player rise to their potential. That was a big payoff for me. And I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it.
0: So, well, you know, it's interesting because I think today, you know, we've got now in Oregon, we've got heat index, you know, you no longer, I don't know if you know this, Paul, but you can no longer do double days. Do you oh, know yeah. this? Yeah. No longer double days, heat index profiles. Uh, you know, the kids rarely shower in the locker room together because it, it could, you know, hurt the kid or whatever. But, um, and I, I don't disagree with that necessarily, but for hygiene purposes, I'm kind of wondering about it. But the thing that's interesting to me is, even in sports, we've created a soft generation amidst the current softness of students who live with their thumbs on a device and their heads in their phones. And so I think with a, with a coach, you almost have to push a little harder to get them to come to a point where they can actually compete and work through the pain. Uh, because there is a there is hard-line component to life and to sports. And to if you're in the band or if you're on the debate team, I mean, these things take – extra effort and they take uh, somebody who's willing to jump on these guys a little bit in love.
2: Well, and there is that, I'll just tell you, let me, let me fortify that. It's the word encouragement. Hardly any of us know what it means. The word encouragement means to comfort and to urge forward. And in our growingly soft society, which, which we definitely are, we really think encouragement is just being the sweetest person in the world. My, my two greatest tools as a coach was a pat on the back and a kick in the butt. Yeah. So yeah. I I encourage you. I'm gonna I'm gonna commiserate with you. Yep. This is tough. This is difficult. But I know you can do it. And I wouldn't put it out put you out there to fail. I know you can do it. And so I wouldn't – I'd give them opportunities to where they would succeed, but they have to overcome fear and self-doubt. And overcoming fear and self-doubt is just – it's never been a mild experience. It's always provocative. And uh, But that's the zest of life. That's how kids grow. That's how we grow. That's how we become bigger, stronger, better people. It's how we become larger-souled. And if we don't, we we become smaller-souled. You know, our word for small soul is pusillanimous. And we have – No. Is that really – that's what it means. It means small soul.
0: Pusillanimous.
2: Uh, Pusillanimous, and then the op- You know, we've shortened that word I said it's the only words that your listeners remember me saying. But it rhymes with wussy. That's what it means. That's Whoa. what the word literally means. It means small soul. And so I and, never and knew that. It's, what, it's what's happening. We are unintentionally creating very small soul kids.
1: This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Has your Man Card been challenged today? If you hunger be the best version of you, then join the thousands of men around the country on our closed Facebook forum called The Men in the Arena. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. Also, make sure you ask about our newest equipping opportunity called The Man Card Weekend with The Men in the Arena. Let us inspire the men of your organization to become the best version of themselves today. And don't forget to purchase a copy of Jim's new book, The Man Card five characteristics separating men from boys this is the best book out there that defines what a man is and does in it jim combines his master storytelling abilities with his no holds barred style distinguishing between men and boys you want to keep your man card then pick up a copy of this life-changing book today simply go to the great hunt for god app or MANCardPodcast.com and pick up a copy today thank you for listening to this episode the man card podcast this is dale culver signing off until next time join our army and become the best version of you get in the arena let the world feel the full weight of who you are grind it out be a man